0: This is Works in Progress, a podcast from the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. I'm Avishai Artsy. On October 6th, 1969, hundreds of students filled Royce Hall. They'd come to hear Angela Davis, who was then Acting Assistant Professor of Philosophy at UCLA, teach her first class. Mark Greenfield, Chair of the Associated Students Speakers Program, introduced her. Today's speaker has been the subject of much attention of in the last few weeks. Angela Davis, a former member of the Black Panthers and SNCC, is presently a member of the Che Lumumba Club, an all black collective of the Communist Party. A week beforehand, the University of California Board of Regents had voted to suspend Davis from her teaching duties because of her communist ties. Students were eager to hear what she had to say about it.
1: I've been asked over and over again. How can you really be committed to the struggle for liberation and leave your ideas outside of the classroom, leave your political opinions outside of the classroom? Now, I maintain that political opinions should be brought into the classroom. They belong in the classroom. I think that education itself is inherently political. Its goal ought to be political. It ought to create human beings who possess a genuine concern for their fellow human beings and who who will use the knowledge they acquire in order to conquer nature, but to conquer nature for the purpose of freeing man, of freeing man from enslaving necessities.
0: We're revisiting this story because there's a dance performance coming to Royce Hall that draws from the recorded words of Angela Davis. Ronald K. Brown, an award-winning choreographer, and his company Evidence are presenting their newest dance work. It's called The Equality of Night and Day, First Glimpse. And in it, the dancers will perform to audio excerpts from Davis's speeches. The piece was co-commissioned by UCLA's Center for the Art of Performance, or CAP UCLA, which is also presenting the show. Meryl Friedman is co-interim director of CAP UCLA and its director of education and special initiatives. She says that Davis's message about academic freedom resonates today.
2: You know, I'm lucky enough to wear two hats here at the university, one as a staff member and as a presenter of the arts and the other as a faculty member and teacher. So I know that I'm constantly trying to figure out that balance between how much of my own personal view do I bring into the classroom? Do I bring into my teaching? And how much do I remain impartial or just present views? So it's, it's hard and it's supercharged at the moment. But Angela also says this other really beautiful thing in particular in that speech that she gave in Royce Hall, which is that it was her view that the purpose of education is to not sort of present a, a preordained slate of information, but education is about allowing students to figure out who they are so that they can figure out how to help others.
1: Now, I think the goal of the educational process is to create human beings who have human concerns, human beings who know and understand themselves and are able to pass human judgments on what's going on around them. Education should not mold the mind according to a prefabricated architectural plan. It should rather liberate the mind.
2: It was true in 1969 when she said it, and it's it's true now. I find that students embark on an education, even if they might not know it at the beginning. It's a journey of self-discovery. You can't be educated, nor can you educate others, nor can you have true empathy, or do anything that affects the human condition. And that is about listening to views that are not your own and learning how to navigate that.
0: The equality of night and day, first glimpse, stems from the ongoing movement for racial and social justice. In the piece, the dancers circle each other in what Brown calls a meditation of compassion and protection. In an email, Brown explained the piece this way. The image is an elephant circle. Elephants will circle a sick elephant who may be dying. I told the dancers that the circle is for all the involuntary martyrs who were murdered and gave birth to the Black Lives Matter protest and rallies. Brown added this quote, "'We circle until their bones become ash "'and the wind blows the ash onto our skin. "'We are them, and they are us.'" The choreography is set to an original score by jazz pianist Jason Moran and excerpts from three of Davis's speeches. Brown also said in an email, quote, Davis has consistently spoken about the value of Black lives, folks of color's lives, and those marginalized in this country. It is especially poignant to hear these words speaking about issues that were at their height 20 years ago, and we are still struggling with Black Lives Matter as if this is a new issue. Alongside the performance, CAP UCLA is highlighting Davis's legacy with a special exhibition in Royce Hall that includes music, books, photos, speeches, and archival materials from UCLA Library Special Collections. Back to Merrill Friedman.
2: We kind of identified stuff that we thought would be interesting for people to look at that had resonance, that was kind of uncovering a history that probably most of our students do not know about, and lots of just sort of contemporary folks probably do not know about, and that it would kind of add additional context and an added layer, especially after you see the piece, and then to be able to dive a little deeper into Angela's history with UCLA and Los Angeles. So lots of the materials kind of call attention to that.
0: Friedman worked with UCLA curator and manuscript librarian Jeannie Garrard to assemble an exhibition that includes protest flyers, Daily Bruin articles, magazine covers featuring Davis and her signature afro, and even a student made how do you support Angela Davis' quiz that took aim at the UC Regents?
2: In addition, a number of years ago, I had worked with Jeannie on uncovering through the L.A. Times Archive, which is also held by Special Collections, a whole bunch of unbelievable photographs that documented student protest at UCLA and in Westwood and on the West Side between like 1968 and 1972. And that was done in collaboration with a production that we uh, were presenting called 1969. And so because I'm a pack rat, I saved all of those (laughs) photographs, which a lot of them feature pictures of Angela Davis and other things happening around campus during that time. So those will be part of the exhibit as well.
0: The library's student activism collection is regularly used in classrooms, said Courtney Jett Jacobs. She's head of outreach and community engagement for UCLA library special collections
3: library special collections materials these archives these were books these ephemeral materials they're really only worth stewarding if they're being used um, and that's why we make them accessible it's why we acquire them it's why we describe them and make them discoverable it's to to make these connections and i think one of the things that people interpret or they they assume when they think about library special collections because we have these archives and we have these old books is that we only collect the history of the past, and that you're dealing solely with the past. But the most exciting thing about library special collections, and archives, and these materials in general and primary sources is that you can connect with the experiences and the individuals of the past in order to build a better future, in order to approach these experiences and individuals and events through a critical lens, and to create original scholarship that is going to then push us in new directions.
0: After Davis's initial firing in 1969, she was reinstated by a California Superior Court judge and completed teaching the academic year. The Regents fired her again for quote, inflammatory language, even as UCLA Chancellor Charles E. Young defended Davis on the basis of academic freedom. When she left UCLA in 1970, Governor Ronald Reagan, who was also head of the UC Regents, said she'd never teach in the UC system again. After a prison stay on a charge of accessory to murder, for which she was exonerated, Davis went on to become a professor at UC Santa Cruz from 1991 to 2008, where she taught feminist studies and the history of consciousness, and researched the causes and effects of incarceration. David Shorter is a professor of world arts and cultures at the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. He was Davis's student during his graduate studies.
4: Yeah, I went to graduate school at the History of Consciousness program at the University of California Santa Cruz and Angela Davis had just recently before that been hired. The first class was that I took as a PhD student was under Angela. My first day ever as a PhD student was a seminar in Angela Davis's class and um, I remember, you know, she, she obviously is well known for her abolition work uh, in terms of the prison industrial complex. <laughs> and my father was a police officer, my stepfather. So it was this really interesting thing where as day one as a graduate student, I raised my hand and was like, I thought prisons were good. Don't we want prisons? And literally got schooled by <laughs> Angela Davis in the most caring, compassionate way. And that's what my attachment is to her to this day. She's an amazing teacher. And she approaches that job with such seriousness and such heart that she stands out to me as one of my favorite um, advisors. She wasn't on my actual dissertation committee, but for years I could go to her. And I would still, you know, to this day, think that she's a person who extends herself to anyone who was her student.
0: Jet Jacobs with UCLA Library Special Collections says the Davis archives show just how far ahead of her time Davis was.
3: One of the things that I come away with when I look at these materials is that, um, you know, women of color have a long history of being the first to speak up against injustice and inequity, and they have always been disproportionately punished for that work and that labor. And it is easy for us to look back on the long tail and recognize the injustice at the time. But in general, it's not often that we then celebrate the individuals that brought this injustice to our attention. So I'm really excited about this program for that reason specifically.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a story that includes Angela Davis as a outspoken political activist and professor of philosophy, but also it it shows the conservatism of the UC Regents at that time and doesn't necessarily paint the UC in the brightest light, but it also shows how far the system has come in 50 years in accepting and tolerating free speech, even when it's uncomfortable and when it's unpopular.
3: Well, the shocking thing for me is we also have a collection that I think about in relation to the student activism collection and in relation to Angela Davis's experience, um, which is the loyalty oath controversy collection. Because, you know, fully 20 years before this happened, the regents were in the same situation where they were um, expelling faculty for their ties to a political organization that they disagreed with, which, you know, there's a lot of legal stuff involved in that, just like the Angela Davis situation but the regents were relatively spanked for that you know it was found that they had fired faculty essentially like illegally um and then they found (laughs) loopholes in order to keep those faculty from teaching um just like they did with angela davis so it's in some ways it's it's disheartening to realize that these are repetitive cycles
0: At Royce Hall, along with a dance performance and the exhibition on March 5th, there will be a pop-up library of books by Davis and others, spoken word performances, a DJ spinning a radical activism-themed set, and a graffiti wall where attendees can write their ideas related to the prompt, What is your vision of democracy?
2: The sort of theme that we're using for the event is imagining democracy, which is a phrase that Angela has used before in one of her speeches and is used in the piece. Um, in particular, so this is particularly relevant right now for lots of reasons. Um, what's happening in Ukraine? What's happening here with our voting rights? What's about to happen as we approach the midterms in terms of what is a democracy? Do we have one? What are the things that we can imagine that would actually make ours better, more serviceable to everyone, more representative of everyone?
0: Davis's brief tenure at UCLA still feels relevant amidst contemporary debates over race and academic freedom. Last year, star New York Times writer and 1619 Project creator Nicole Hannah-Jones was initially denied tenure by the trustees of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill because of her political views. And last month, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick proposed to add the teaching of critical race theory as grounds to revoke a professor's tenure at public universities in the state. Merrill Friedman said Davis's 1969 speech still resonates today because it cast a spotlight on the power structures that uphold institutions, including academic ones.
2: Universities, whether they're private or public, are run by individuals who have inordinate access to power and influence and money. (laughs) And that is always going to be an inherent conflict of interest because those people have an agenda. And our system will never get away from that unless we change the system.
0: (laughs) Ronald K. Brown and Evidence Dance Company presents the Equality of Night and Day first glimpse and Upside Down, on Saturday, March 5th at 8 p.m. at Royce Hall. The exhibition dedicated to Angela Davis and student activism will open at 6.30 p.m. and will remain open during the intermission and after the performance. You've been listening to Works in Progress, a podcast from the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. I'm Avishai Artsy. Thanks for listening and be well.